This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you in? Order now on the McDonald's app. And you can also get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Well, hello and welcome to Albion Analysis with me, Chris Hall, and him, Pete George. Well, it's another pod because it's been another night with another West Bromwich Albion game. And would you believe it? It is another away win. Two in two, the like of which I think we never thought we'd see again. And all joking aside, Pete, it feels like a big, big night. I mean, Albion, obviously, with a massive three points, six points in a matter of a few days to really reignite uh, playoff hopes. We're recording on, on Tuesday Tuesday night, by the way, because obviously I have no idea when, when you're listening to this. Not, I realise things w- can change because we've played on the Tuesday. There's still a number of teams to play on the Wednesday. Um, but at the time of recording, we sit in sixth in the table, which in and of itself feels a big deal. I'm well aware that there is no mathematical possibility where we remain in sixth beyond tomorrow night's games because Blackburn play Coventry, which means one of the teams must overtake us. But nonetheless, just to get back into the playoff places after so long out of them feels really big. And then on top of that, Birmingham City, the only team that has doubled us this season have gone and turned over Millwall, which means now, mathematically speaking, finishing above Millwall is in our own hands, which, by virtue of that very fact, Pete, means that finishing in the playoffs is now back in our own hands. So it is a night where we have not only beat Blackpool and won what was, and we'll come to it in a moment, a difficult game, a game that um, we did certainly did not have all all our own way by any stretch of the imagination. It's a game where uh, it's it's a night, sorry, where we've moved back into six. It's a night where one of our rivals has lost a game that you would probably have, have expected them to have won, and it's a game where, mathematically speaking, now if and I realise this is an enormous if we were to win all our remaining games we mathematically finish in the playoffs and to have our destiny in our own hands, however difficult that might be to have our destiny back in our own hands for a, for a period of time, at least until Sunday feels enormous, Pete. It wasn't far off a, a perfect night for Albion. Um, obviously we got the three points and with a decent performance um, and Millwall losing was is obviously vital for us as well. Um, I think the only other couple of things that could have gone our way were, were Sunderland getting beat rather than getting a draw, just to keep them a bit further back. But even but, that, I mean, I mean Huddersfield, Huddersfield since since losing to us and uh, very very kindly 
allowing us three points. It does kind of feel like they allowed us three points, have basically gone and took points off pretty much everybody around us, haven't they? And I mean, we, I say it quietly, Pete, we, we might actually have to start saying nice things about Neil Warnock at this rate. Yeah, I was about to say, I would have thought that Neil Warnock would be doing Albion favours. But um, yeah, they seem to have picked up some really big form against some, some teams towards the top of the table. So they definitely are doing his favours. And I mean, the other thing that was Sheffield United got another win, which it might not make a huge difference, but you know they're three points closer to automatics, and it might maybe alleviate a bit of the pressure of trying to get a result against us after their their cup semi final. So they might just maybe focus even a little bit more on the cup semi final and think, oh, we've got got a few games to to get ourselves over the line. It's not like we need to win every single one. Um, I mean, the obviously obvious disappointing thing. Well, in in the sorry, I was just going to say, in the unlikely event that 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 there were um, defeats for Luton and um, Borough in their in their next game, they 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 could be basically there. Yeah, and it just it might just give us a little bit more of an advantage when we come to play them. So, yeah, it could be another result that's gone in our favour tonight. Um, I was just going to say that the the only well, yeah, basically the only downside of tonight is another another injury picked up from Albion with a. Chalaba going off injured. Yeah, and I want I wanted to, I wanted to discuss that. I mean, for, uh, from a couple of points of view, uh, Pete, because I mean, first of all, it's just so unlucky. And by the way, uh, c- can we just add on to this? Um, obviously, uh, today started with what we feared, which was the diagnosis of uh, the Daryl DK injury, which um, is a ruptured Achilles and is six to nine months out. I mean, what dreadful, dreadful look. For that guy, I saw his very, very emotional post on social media as well, um, and I can't even begin to imagine how he's feeling at this moment in time. Uh, any player to get that kind of an injury, but for t- for a guy who has had two other long term injuries and had just got uh, got really got going as a West Bromwich Albion player, to then. Uh, be hit by that is just absolutely dreadful. So we 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 wish Daryl as speedy a recovery as he can have, but unfortunately, once again, it's a long road back for the American striker. And are you just and and by the by the way, look, um, it's very easy to in this in in this in this world sort of say things like be nice, be kind, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But some of the stuff I've seen on social media from from some and if it is a small minority of fans you know um uh, just banging on about oh he's so injury prone get rid get him out of the club blah 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 it's like have a have a bit of compassion for what the guy's going through first of all there is no option of getting rid of a player anyway who's injured so it's pointless saying it it it's it's a stupid thing to say it shows a complete not a lack of understanding of how football works if you think that you can get rid of an under contract player whilst they're injured like there's any club that's going to take a player with a ruptured achilles like so give your head a wobble on that one but also just show a bit of compassion. You know, this, uh, whether you, I can tell you, having had many years working with uh, with with, uh, with players, that players, when they're injured, it is a real, real mentally low period for the vast majority of them. Very, very few of them handle it brilliant, perfectly. Like, it's, it's a really, really difficult period for them. So 
you know, let, let, just just try and consider the human element is all I'm saying. I'm sure the vast majority of people who listen to this pod are not any any of the ones who um, who are putting that sort of stuff on social. But I do want to put it out there that it's it's very easy to just look at the frustrating football side of it, which is that once again, Daryl DK will not be on a football pitch for West Bromwich Albion. And I do get why that's so frustrating for Albion fans. But the other side of it is there's a real human element to this one where Daryl DK has got to go through another operation. He's got to sit on his backside, not doing the thing that he loves for six to nine months. And that is going to be a really tough time uh, for him. And yeah, it, some of the stuff that I've seen on social media from some people just isn't helpful. But moving back to, to Chalaba, I mean, it's yet another injury, Pete. And I mean, we're yet to hear how, uh, how what what it is. Um, I, I, uh, I haven't seen that Carlos's um, quotes have cropped up yet from the post-match. Um, it's unlikely that he'll give a full diagnosis anyway without the medical staff having having had a really good look at Chalaba because he very, very rarely in post-match interviews gives a full diagnosis of an injury. It, no, very few managers do because it's it they're, they're not they're not medically trained and it's not it, you know it's not for them to say how long a player will be out literally 45 minutes an hour after a game. But I have to credit Carlos in that most managers I think would have hid behind the injury list in recent weeks. And this is a point that Lewis Cox made on on Twitter. I think it was before the Stoke game. And he said, in all the press conferences he's been to, he has not heard a word of complaint, not one excuse from Carlos about the injuries. And Carlos easily could have uh, could have blamed the bad form, the four games without uh, without a win, on injuries. Because let's be honest, Pete, we talked about it on the um, on uh, on the podcast after QPR and said, look, the reality is that whilst we have been poor and mentally, I think we struggled in some of the games, the, 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 the injuries have decimated us. Yet Carlos has not, has never hidden behind it. And I think that's done a couple of things. I think, first of all, it has, um, it, it it's just helped him gain so much credit with the fans because I think people are starting to really um re- really sort of realize this now and uh, and uh, that that he hasn't hidden behind this and Steve Bruce was always full of excuses you, oh look we're just not getting the rub it'll turn it'll turn it'll turn you never hear that from Carlos I thought some of Steve Bruce's post-match comments a lot of the time was naive at best and and at times downright foolish but I think the other thing that it's done is it's made the players that have come in feel important because one of the things is if you keep banging on about how we're we're decimated by injuries how all these players that are missing are a huge problem for us it first of all it plays down the importance of the guys and and the quality of the guys who are actually on the pitch and it also creates a negative mentality within the squad that we can't do this without these certain players I think some of the man management from Carlos Corbran during this period of injuries, both in the press and what that has probably resulted in within the dressing room, has been nothing short of outstanding, Pete. Yeah, he could have very easily complained or used excuses of that we've got a big injury list. I know that we kind of have for him, to be honest, because I think it is a point that we've got to make that we are suffering from 
a terrible run of injuries. Well, um, we don't have to worry about motivating the players, Pete. So we c- we can tell it like it is. But yeah, Carlos has got a Carlos has got to play the, the 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 dressing room mind games, as it were. Exactly. So I think it is important that the fans recognise it, even if it's not being mentioned by the manager, um, because he's done a terrific job to steer our season back on course after you know a tough little run and a lot of injuries picked up in that time. And I mean, yeah, after Chalaba going off tonight, it doesn't seem like things are getting any better on the injury front but it's three points and and Taylor Gardner Hickman came on and, and had a very good game and obviously got his goal as well so it's it's a, it's a worry because the, the squad is just getting shorter and shorter at the minute but I think Gardner Hickman came on and impressed so that's that's a positive well, yeah, and I mean, this is the point that that we were just chatting about off air, Pete, because it was something that you and I noticed during the game, and and then we wanted to check the stats before we actually started recording. Much as it much as it was the case on Saturday when DK went off and Thomas Asante moved into the central striking position and Grant went out on the left. Similarly, tonight when Chalaba went off and Gardner Hickman came into the centre of that midfield, it actually improved us as a side because one of the problems early on and look let, let, let's call it like it was we were extremely lucky to not be a goal down before uh, before we scored and we were extremely lucky to get through that first half without conceding Morgan Rogers has got to score with the one where he hits the post then um Keshi Anderson probably should score with the one where we faff about with it at the back and um and he he then runs uh, runs through and slides it just past the post and Alex Palmer makes another brilliant save from Morgan Rogers we were not good in that first 45 minutes by any stretch of the imagination and scored really with uh, uh, the only the only time we looked a threat was from the two corners which went in one we scored from and the other one semi had a good chance which he headed over and part of the problem for me was that the ball wasn't sticking because I felt like and you 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 said off air and I'll let you come to this in a second that you feel like Chalaba was under instruction every time he got the ball in a bit of space to float it forward into space behind the behind the Blackpool defenders for Brandon Thomas Asante and it just wasn't working I mean Brandon wasn't getting anywhere near uh, wasn't getting anywhere near the ball and yet when uh, when Taylor Gardner Hickman came on whether there was a bit of instruction from the touchline and Corbran could see what the, what he'd asked Chalaba to do and I I think we do both believe that Chalaba was only doing what he was asked that um, Gardner Hickman maybe had a bit of a word in the ear from the manager of look there's a bit of change attack here. Don't do don't do what Chalaba was doing, but instead get the ball down. Let's uh, let's try and actually retain a bit of possession. And I mean, you've done the numbers, Pete. Um, so I'll, I'll I'll leave them to you. But the 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 general gist of it is that our average length of pass massively reduces from the moment Taylor Gardner Hickman com- comes onto the pitch. That um, the amount of long balls that we're playing massively reduces. And our control of the game went up. And I mean, just purely on the eye test, we looked a much, much better side, didn't we? Yeah, like you say, I think Chalaba was um, told to kind of, when we had the ball in a bit of space, a bit of settled possession, he kind of, and around the halfway line, he kind of just tried to, to clip balls into the inside right channel of the penalty area. Um, and it didn't really pay off. It's one of those things that, it's high risk and 
but high reward if that ball gets flicked on and kind of squared across goal then probably create a good chance but I mean it didn't work today but when when he was forced off and Taylor Gardner hit me came on it yeah as you say the um the game plan seemed to change quite a lot and we we were definitely playing shorter um I think when Chalaba was on the pitch 30% of our passes that we attempted were were long passes um passes that were over 25 yards but then after Chalaba went off and Gardner hit me came on that reduced to 24% so um a drop of what 6% which is quite significant and I mean it's the same story for the the average length of the passes it it dropped from 12.4 yards to to 8.8 so uh, we definitely tried to to keep it a bit shorter and um, play the ball around a bit more Um, and yeah I think it definitely benefited us a bit more Um, we looked more in control of the game and we're giving away possession less easily. And it's big for Taylor as well isn't it Pete because I mean look we we ran the numbers on him the the other week um after uh, after the 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 back to back easter games and let let's be fair it wasn't good it, he wasn't good uh, i i i mean i thought he was abysmal at rotherham to be honest with you um and he wasn't a great deal better against against qpr and i just yeah I, I, you know as you you said it at the time that it's a problem when you have to change both the central midfielders and they both look rusty in those uh, in those two games. And shock horror, suddenly Chalaba looks a lot better alongside Malumbi and then Taylor looks a lot better alongside Malumbi in, from the 39th minute onwards tonight. And I just think it's so big for Taylor because, look, let's be fair, we, we we yes we try and do this pod um without without bias and with uh, with with you know through the the lens of the numbers and everything but at the end of the day we're albion fans and we feel the same as everybody which is that when you've got a a guy from the uh, who's come through the youth setup who uh, has is one of our own you want nothing more than to see him succeed you know, I want obviously I want all Albion players to succeed, but I I think I think it's fair to say, and Pete, you know, I'll throw to you on this that uh, as as well because I never want to speak for you, but certainly my feeling is when when you get players like um, Griffiths, Palmer, um, Gardner, Hickman, people like that in the first team, I probably want them to succeed a little bit more than I want anybody else to succeed because I just love seeing seeing guys who know what the club is all about who have it in their in their blood and their dna to to go on and play for their boyhood teams and and make a success of that and i i was worried a little bit after the two games that maybe gardner hickman had had a good season last season in a difficult in in a difficult time for the team but had been largely marginalized this this season and was he going to struggle to be able to step up on the occasions when he was called upon rather than last season when he was something of he'd certainly by the end become something of uh, something of a regular something of an important player for us and I thought that was a bit of a turning point for him tonight coming on being such a big part of a, a big performance getting the goal as well will be massive for his confidence and you saw how the the players were around him when 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 they scored the, the the delight of the players for him and the delight of him scoring that goal was clear to see and i really hope it can be a turning point and he can follow it up with another big performance against sunderland because you know very very strong chance 
he's probably going to play. No sign of Yukoslu even on the bench tonight. And you would imagine that even if he had been somewhere near to fitness, okay, Yukoslu probably would have been sat on the bench tonight, which suggests to me that he won't be fit enough, certainly to start on Sunday. Um, doesn't look like it doesn't look good for Chalaber either. So you would imagine that Gardner Hickman's going to have to play his part on Sunday. And I really hope this can be a springboard for him. I think you've got to remember that Sony is his second professional season as well. So he's obviously going to be learning a lot over the over this season and the previous season. But um, so he's going to have those performances where he, he's he's not as good as he has looked. But against Blackpool when he came on, I, yeah, I thought he did extremely well. I think he started off. I think, yeah, basically as soon as he came on, he was already on the front foot defending. I think he, he almost nicked the ball off off a, a Blackpool midfielder high up the pitch. Um, I can't remember if he did or not, but yeah, it, he definitely looked very aggressive as defending. Um, and I, I noticed that he, 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 there was a couple of times when they tried to play out from the back to their, to their, their deepest midfielder. And before, before the guy could even take, he'd take his first touch and where he'd been comfortable with Chalaber in midfield in taking that first touch and rolling and turning and, and, and spreading the pass out wide to the, uh, to the Blackpool wide men. And CJ Hamilton was something of a problem in that, in that first half for us. Um, suddenly Taylor Hickman just smashed straight into the back of him and just didn't give him a moment and he did that twice and suddenly they stopped doing that and that mitigated their threat didn't it? Yeah and quite late on in the second half as well Malumbi did the same, I think we'd kind of had an attack, he'd gone to the keeper and the keeper had rolled out to uh, Fiorini I think his name is and he he basically tried to turn on his first touch against Malumbi and Malumbi just basically clattered him and gave away a free kick but it stopped the counter attack and I mean, he got away without a booking, so it's kind of the perfect thing to do. Um, but yeah, I think, I mean, obviously we know that Malumbi's aggressive in his defensive work, so it can potentially work quite nicely with Gordon Hickman because there's a lot of energy there. It's just, I need to make sure that they don't... You wouldn't want to play against the pair of them, would you? No, it's just, it's just you don't want them both to get dragged out of position and kind of leave big gaps. But I mean, we spoke about it last time, Malumbi seems to just kind of be developing and being a bit more um he's shown his experience a bit more as, as he gets the experience and he just looks a, a little bit less frantic than he did last season um but yeah i mean obviously the experience and if he can kind of show that discipline um alongside garner hitman who's still relatively inexperienced is going to be could be an, an interesting midfield ownership and i think the one thing that i did notice defensively um in the second half is that we seem to close the gaps between our midfield and our defensive lines a lot more. Um, in the first half, when Blackpool went long, if they won the, well, no matter who won the first ball, um, there seemed to be quite a big gap uh, between the defence and the midfield for the second ball and Blackpool kind of picking that up quite easily in a fair amount of space. But we seem to close that down a bit more and, and looked a bit a bit more solid because of it. Absolutely. Well, uh, that's all for the for the first half here um but we'll go to a very brief ad break now and then we will be back in just a moment to talk about some individual performances see you in a moment a lot can happen in three years like a chatbot maybe your new best friend but what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. 
Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home, especially with Albion's home record under Carlos Corbran. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome back to Albion Analysis. Well, in the first half, we talked quite generically about the game, but I think it's important that we get into some individual displays. I mean, uh, and the first of which I want to speak about, Pete, is the man who we are probably going to be relying on to lead our line. Well, we, we're definitely going to be relying on to lead our line for the for the rest of the season, as long as he doesn't get injured, which, I mean, you take nothing for granted at the moment because absolutely everybody's getting injured. But that's Brandon Thomas Asante. And I thought that he was, I, I thought he, w- he was really, really good tonight, but in a different sort of a way. I, as I say, as we, as we said just before the break, he did struggle. Um, a little bit in the first half to get into the game because those chip balls from Chalaba were just not meeting him. But he still grabbed his goal, and I, I mean, um, I know I know players like the uh, the old Pomo that position of maximum opportunity. But there's definitely something. Uh, uh, it's not a phrase that I'm in love with, but but uh, but uh, there is definitely something in it, and. That is a that he's took up a brilliant position in front of the goalkeeper for that first goal. It's a lovely little flick as well, by the way. It's just it's it's ever, ever so clever. Um, you've got to say, I mean, just just offering a little bit of balance on it. If that goal had been scored against us, we would be doing our fruit over the um over the defending because it was absolutely abysmal. I mean, Connor Townsend is so free to knock that ball towards goal, which which Brandon then goes and flicks in. But then from from there, Pete, I thought second half, it was a mature display from him. I, I picked up something in the data that Brandon actually is not much of a ball carrier, generally speaking. He averages 0.8 completed dribbles per game. So less than one completed dribble per match, which tends to show that Brandon doesn't carry the ball. He doesn't take players on. He tends to get into positions where he can either uh, take the ball down with his back to goal, get in aerial battles with uh, with defenders or try and pick up bits bits and pieces or run in behind but he's not he's not one of these players that generally picks up the ball turns and and runs at defenders yet tonight he he can he completed three dribbles which is over three times his average for the season and i thought it was a really mature thing because we talk about how we shortened the passing, but the other reason that we kept the ball so much is that it is that Brandon was doing such a brilliant job second half up front of getting the ball down, taking players on, getting down that line, and getting the ball and, and allowing the midfield to come up and support him and pull it pull it back from him. And I have to say, for for such a for such a young man, and they are similar ages, DK and and, and Thomas Asante. So it's it, you know it it does always seem to get talked about like DK's the experienced one when actually technically he's younger than Brandon. But they're two young strikers, and it would be it it would be understandable if they showed a little bit of inexperience at times. But I thought that tonight from Brandon was a mature and intelligent performance from a striker. Yeah, he's always good at finding space in the box to to get shots off in in good areas, um, and that's obviously a skill to have. That to be able to you you have to get lucky 
the ball to come to you, but when you're there so oft, as often as he is, you kind of make your own luck in that respect. So it is a skill to have. Um, and yeah, he's he's always quite good with the ball at his feet. Um, he can kind of get himself out of tight areas, which is he might not have the same physical presence as DK when the ball's played into him, but even if he gets pressed, he can get pressed by you know two three players and still retain it. Just is that is that is that the because obviously he started out at Salford as a winger. Is that the winger in him coming out? Yeah, and I think to be fair to him, I think in comparison to other central strikers, he's probably one of the the better dribblers in the league, um, and that's probably to do with him being a winger in the past. I think if you compared him to to wingers, it's probably a little bit different. But you know, he's playing up front for us at the minute, so. That's probably who you should be comparing him to, but he he can get out of tight spaces quite well, and he uses his body really well. Um, even when he's jumping for the ball, a lot of the time he seems to jump really early and just kind of lean himself up against the defender whilst he's in the the air, just to keep him up there and knock the defender off balance and stop them from jumping. Um, so I think he's he's really smart with the way that he uses his body, and and he does make the most of it despite not being as big as as someone like DK. And he works so hard as well, Pete. And that was that that was evident in the second goal because he just does not give that ball up, does he? And and that and that's where that's where the that's where the goal comes from. And I think as well, he panics defenders at, at times because there's there's no real reason for the Blackpool player to make the mistake that he that, that he makes. And I I think that that's another of of Thomas Asante's qualities. But uh, uh, but on the second goal, the primary thing I think that needs highlighting. Look, it's as we've said already. It's lovely that Taylor Gardner Hickman tucks it away, but the the intelligence of the ball back from John Swift, I thought was nothing short of absolutely fantastic. And I and I've I've had uh, look I've had a few set twos with people on Twitter. Anybody who follows me on Twitter will have will have seen uh, that you know. When when I'm when I'm passionate about something, I like to dig my heels in and uh, and argue my point. And look, any, anybody who's known me knows I don't I don't necessarily back down easy. You either see it as one one of my good traits or one of my bad traits. And uh, different members of my family would tell you different things about uh, about whether it's good or bad. But nonetheless, I've I've defended some of the criticism of John Swift because I think it's very easy to look at a creative number ten type and assume that they are lazy and mercurial i personally i think that's a bit of a cliche and the and a stereotype and i don't think it is true of john swift because i think he works hard off the ball as well as on it and his quality was evident on the ball for that goal, but Pete, you you highlighted to me off air earlier that you you were just as impressed with what he did off the ball tonight. Yeah, I thought he did he did really well and, and worked extremely hard when we're defending. Um, when we're defending, he's often part of kind of a front two um, in like a four four two, but he, he seemed to do extremely well to kind of um, keep Fiorini out of the game, their deepest midfielder who liked to pick the ball up. Off the centre backs, um, he kind of he was always near him, and quite often just forced him to go backwards and and not really letting him dictate the game too much, and he even picked his pocket a couple of times. Um, I think there was one quite early in the first half where he he kind of pressed him from the blind side and 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 picked his pocket, and then we we sprung an attack from there. Um, but yeah, definitely wasn't lazy off the ball tonight, um, and then showed his quality on the ball as well. So. 
I thought it was a very good performance from him. I think there was just one one pass that he he made early early on that yeah almost led to them scoring. But on the whole, I thought he had a very good game. And another one that 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 yeah, again it it seems it's it, it again I I occasionally get accused on Twitter of having ha- having an agenda. I I don't. I just think there's misconceptions around certain players because there's certain players that I look at the data and I look at my eye test and and I think are playing better than than some people would would like to give them credit for. And another one of those is Connor Townsend. I thought he had an excellent game tonight, Pete. Because uh, I my my opinion of us when we're at our best is that Connor Townsend is able, when we are at our best, best, it is when Connor Townsend is being a threat going forward. And I look at Connor Townsend's passing numbers tonight, and he's got just as many key passes as John Swift. Now that's impressive to me, but again, he's getting, he's getting into attacking areas and you look at some of our good results this season and it's, uh, and and they they do seem to coincide with Connor Townsend getting into getting into the box, getting into dangerous areas. He's picked up an assist tonight for the for the goal. Okay, it's from a set piece, but nonetheless, he's in there. And we talked about the overloads that we were that we were getting into in, in the box for the Stoke game, which led to the two goals. And I think that those are so important to us for the rest of the season. That we because I I felt like for a few games that's kind of what we stopped uh, what what we stopped doing Pete I felt like we were we we were doing these pods and we were going where are the players in the box where are the options when when we're actually getting into the final third and that was a bit of the case for the first half tonight not least because we were getting the ball forward so early that there wasn't any opportunity for players to actually get in the box and create overloads for us. But I thought second half, when we started playing a bit more football, we started getting those overloads in there. And and Connor Townsend is a big part of that. It seems as the season's gone on, Darnell Furlong has become less and less that player. And I think the fact that Furlong doesn't really offer the overload quite as much makes it even more important that Connor Townsend does. And I, I just think it's a big part of our play. And it's, I think it, it's something that I, I felt, especially when Malumbi was, was out and out the team, because he's another big part of that. He's, he's one of those players who gets in the box, which was evident against Stoke. I think getting Townsend and Malumbi into the penalty area is just really, really important for us in terms of getting the goals, which is going to take to win games. And it's probably where we came up short in terms of the goals we needed when when, when we went to places like Cardiff, for example, and co- just couldn't get couldn't get either when we were one ahead the goal to see off Cardiff or after Cardiff equalised the goal to to go two one up again and and probably why we didn't kill the game off a little bit more against the likes of Huddersfield and Wigan which I know obviously frustrated fans although as I always say less so against Wigan but certainly against Huddersfield which is which is quite a negative display and also uh, where we we didn't really have an answer to QPR getting us back to two two I just feel those overloads are massively important and I think Malumbian Townsend are a big part of those. Yeah, Townsend gets he gets into the box really well. Um, in that kind of inside left channel where he's just inside the penalty area, it causes a lot of problems from there. Sometimes I do think if his his choice of pass was maybe just a bit a bit better and a bit quicker, we'd 
get even more chances, but he, he does create really well from there and he, and he gets into those areas really well. Um, and it's hard to track for a defender and, you know, really valuable. He's also got very good at getting his body across defenders because he nearly got brought down again tonight, didn't he? And he's yeah. he, he's won us. I think he's won us two two penalties in recent weeks. He won us the one against Huddersfield and and the one against uh, Rotherham, didn't he? So he's getting good at that. Yeah, he's always kind of used it um, to his advantage. I can remember being at a game last season, and I was sat on the Brummie Road, and I can't remember who it might have been Cardiff, but we should have had. Well, we probably should have had a penalty in the last minute because he got pulled down after he got after he got in front of somebody. But yeah, he, he definitely uses that and. You know, it's it's just one of those things where you can kind of force a penalty out of, out of a defender, despite them maybe not always trying to make a challenge, just kind of stopping in their way. But um, you got to use it to to your advantage. Um, but yeah, as I say, he got into well, he gets into into those areas really well, and and it's hard to track. Um, I think tonight he created two two chances. I'm, I'm guessing those went down as the um, well, the assist that he got, and then Tom Rogic had quite a good chance in the second half where he I think Townsend kind of just fired the ball into the box and, and Rogic hit Rogic and he, he couldn't quite control it and keep it under the bar but yeah he was really good and um, he was under quite a bit of pressure as well in early doors in the first half um, I think Blackpool were trying to target him but he, he dealt with it really well and he came out really successful in his duels as well he, he won five out of his six ground jewels, um, and I think he had the highest number. Is that something? As, sorry, Pete. Is that something that doesn't get highlighted enough about Townsend? Because I think we said it ages ago, way, way earlier in the season. He almost never, ever, ever gets dribbled past, does he? Yeah, no, exactly. So he's, he's really strong when he, he gets in the challenges with players, and, and usually comes out on top, which is you know, very, very valuable thing to have as, from a fullback that can, you know. The, Often find themselves isolated against a winger, and to be fair to him, he came up against a couple of very good wingers tonight: um, Morgan Rogers, Morgan Rogers, C.J. Hamilton, and and Bowler when he came on as well. He they've got some some good wide players, so it was yeah, it wasn't an easy night for him tonight, but he came out on top. And just one more little link up that I that I want to talk about, uh, Pete, because it's just become noticeable since the second half against uh, against Stoke when our press just really came into play. Because uh, as I said before, as I said in the uh, in the post Stoke pod, that um, you highlighted that pressing wasn't really a big part of uh, of, of Albion under Carlos Corbran, but it's noticeable that. Malumbi and Wallace in the last game and a half, but but particularly the second half tonight and the second half against Stoke, they're a little pressing machine. Those two aren't they on that right hand side? I mean, and they and they 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 both they had equal most tackles won each tonight with four each, and they're they're a bit of a menace for um, for opposition back fours to uh, and we we're, we're actually starting to try and make it quite difficult for teams that want to play out from the back to do so yeah i think sometimes we can kind of get caught into pressing when we're a bit too open and not really create um traps where it's you kind of shut off parts of the pitch and just keep everything tight because um in fairness to blackpool they played through our press a couple of times when as i say it was just too open and if you come up against somebody a team that can just kind of move the ball quickly and with one or two touches, then it, it can cut through it if it's not compact enough. Um, 
But again, that's something that seemed to change in the second half. Um, and we seem to be a lot more compact and, and just more difficult to play through. It, yeah, it, it'd be a lot less stressful if Carlos could get these could get these second halves in the first half, wouldn't it? Well, yeah, absolutely. But well, at the minute, I'll, I'll take a win however we get it. So I'm um, less stressful. But uh, as long as it's three points, I don't care at the minute. Um, but yeah, like you say, Molumbi and, and Wallace have well and Garner Hitman all very aggressive, um, extremely hard working and and smart when the pressing as well. So really useful players to have. Bit of a cliche, but probably a manager's dream to have players like that that have so much energy and are willing to work so hard, both in possession and out of it. Just to finish off, Pete. Um, obviously, on to Sunderland now. A massive game on on Sunday. We'll we'll obviously know how an awful lot of teams, both those that play uh, tomorrow night, because as I say, we're recording this on Tuesday night, um, uh, have got on, but also those who play on Saturday. So we'll have a we'll have an even better view of the picture. We uh, we we might have work to do again because a lot of the teams around us might have won. We might be in a position where. We can we we can really really solidify ourselves in the in the playoffs because results might have gone our way. But I think one one point I would like to make because look, you see a lot of uh, reactionary comments on Twitter, and I realise that's the nature of the beast a little bit. That that's what Twitter is. But I think the last two games have probably offered a little bit of perspective as to you know how how a championship season is, in the sense that. So many people after 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 Rotherham even, but certainly after QPR, were going, that's it, we've blown it, season over, season over, season done. And, I mean, we, we talked about it. I think it, Stoke was a must-win game. After four without a win, after the Easter weekend that we'd had that was an absolute horror show, I think Stoke was a, a must-win game. But I think it's important over the next five games, until we really put ourselves in a position that truly does look impossible if indeed that comes i hope it doesn't i hope i hope actually we just keep winning and and obviously cruise into the playoffs but i think it's important to not overreact to individual results and if if things don't go our way on sunday i think it's important to realize that there is still a good opportunity here and that there is there's a lot of opportunities um, going to come uh, going to come our way between now and the end of the season. It's not like anybody else in that playoff mix is wonderfully consistent. I mean, you know, Blackburn drew nil nil with at home to Hull on uh, on Saturday night. You've uh, you've had Millwall lose uh, tonight. Now they've they've won one of the last five and they've not scored in the other four. Um, that it's so it's it's not going brilliant for them. Coventry not so long ago got an absolute hammering off a Stoke side that we made look extremely ordinary in the in the second half um, on on Saturday. There aren't many teams, or really any teams in that in that playoff race that are making light work of it. Even Preston, who I thought was starting to look quite good, went and got went and got a bit of a beating at the weekend. So. I think I think I think I'm just urging a little bit of caution going forward over the next five games. That obviously, if we go and lose three in a row, it's probably over. But I think if we just pick up the odd bad result, the odd drop point here and there, I think it's just important to take a breath, 
and realise that that doesn't end our season because, as I say, people said after one point from two games over the Easter over the Easter period and having not won in four that that was our season done, and literally in the space of three days, we've put ourselves back into a playoff place for the time being till tomorrow night. Yeah, well, we're in a situation now where if we win every game from now until the end of the season, then we will be in the playoffs places. But the reality is that it's extremely unlikely that we will need to to win every game to end up there. Um, as you say, teams are, are dropping points and you know getting draws, getting beat by teams that you probably wouldn't expect it. So, and that I imagine will continue. The pressure's the massive, the isn't it? The pressure's enormous on on teams at this point. Yeah, absolutely, and um, yeah. So that I'd be very surprised if if any team that's pushing for the playoffs and fighting for it does go and win all the games remaining of the season. So it's unlike, unlikely that we'll have to. So if we do lose a game or, or pick up a draw somewhere, then it's you know it's not the end of the season. In fairness, I did think. Well, I, I thought we'd basically blown it after we lost to Rotherham and then drew to QPR, but. Yeah, I mean, you can see how quickly that changes. So there's going to be, yeah, there's definitely going to be a few more, a few more twists and turns before the season's up. So each and we and we and it's worth saying, Pete, we won't have it all our way in the next, all our own way in the next few games either, will we? No, I'd be very surprised. Um, you know, obviously we're all we're all hoping, but I can't imagine it's going to be completely smooth sailing. I can't imagine it's going to be. Was it five out of five now? No, I mean let's let's be fair. We've we've all been uh, we've all been supporting the Albion long enough to uh, to know that um, there's absolutely zero chance of them giving us uh, a nice uh, smooth ride. Sorry, last four games I should uh, I should say that's what uh, that's what we've um, that's what we've got left because we've of course played tonight. Um, uh, we, so uh, there's there's no there's no there's no way with that we're going to uh, win the next four and then go into the playoffs, uh, win both uh, win both legs with nice comfortable three nil victories and. Then uh, and and then go to Wembley and put the put whoever we play out of sight in the first twenty minutes because West Bromwich Albion they just don't do that for you they just don't do that for you and we've all been supporting this club long enough to know what we've let ourselves in for so uh, yeah yep it is something of a life sentence but uh, we took it we 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 took it gratefully we all we all chose this life. Um, uh, well, the, uh, to a certain extent, it it it, it chose us. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, I, I, my my first season uh, as a season ticket holder was the um, was the first season in what was then Division Three under Bobby Gould, which ended with his, um, his coffin being carried through the streets of Shrewsbury. So um, if if I if I got through that, I can get through anything, and hopefully I will get through Sunday with a smile on my face and a song in my heart because at the moment the Albion are making me feel pretty good about life which I really didn't think they would do after the Easter weekend but we have another big game coming up on Sunday which means we will have another big pod after it and we will be back then to discuss whatever happens whatever the fallout is from that game but let's hope we're in an equally as a positive position after that match as we are tonight but until then thanks for listening and up the baggies.
Albion have certainly been sharing the goals around this season. They're well into double figures now for different championship goal scorers. So why not take a leaf out of their book and do some sharing of your own with a McNugget share box? Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.